Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about civil war over what, what Marxist threat, is it a big deal, and will Marxism bite you? And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. There is a poll out talking about the extremely large plurality of Americans of both sides of the aisle and every race, ethnicity, and national origin who say they actually think physical bloodshed civil war is coming to America. I want to share that data with you and then I want to, I'm dedicating the entire show today to try to more closely define what it is we're really in a battle over in America. What is the real battle what are the, you know, to use that popular vernacular, the squirrels, what are the issues distracting us from failing to understand the real issues? Because at the end of the day, I would argue that Americans actually, in significant majority, want the same things for America's future. We do have a huge uh, ideological split between the left and the right in America, or as I would call it, between the people who want to preserve America and those who want to radically transform it and change it into a Marxist communist society. That's the split. But I, I contend, and I will say it again at the end of the show, we don't need to go to civil war. We just need to understand each other better. But I'll start with this poll. This was, I think, a Zogby poll. I sent Matt the Wonderful um, a picture of it. So you can see it is saying, uh, will the U.S. have another civil war likely the answer given, uh, these among likely voters, 46% said it is likely, so more, more a higher percentage slightly said it's likely than said unlikely, 43%, not sure 11%. A little more data on that poll. Again, it was a Zogby poll. Um, more Democrats than Republicans think we're headed to war. Kind of amazing. Um, and, um, no, I'm sorry, more Republicans than Democrats, but very, very close. They're very close. Uh, Republicans, 49% say it's likely, 40 says it's not. Democrats, 45 say it's likely, 44 say it's unlikely. Among independents, 42 say it's likely. The divisions really are very similar between the political parties, but along racial and ethnic lines, um, the differences are more notable. For example, among white Americans, 43% said likely, 44 unlikely. Um, well, whereas with Hispanics, a significant majority, 53% said it's likely that America's headed to civil war, uh, and African Americans, 49%. And I want to talk about this today. Obviously, everyone's been talking about it, but I want to talk about it from the perspective of what exactly it is that Americans are so divided over. The mainstream media, or as I call them, the Democrat media mob on the left, has spent four years plus four years, focusing on Donald Trump as the, as the person, the entity to be hated, to be vilified, and everyone who follows him or supports him or voted for him to be hated and vilified. They're trying to make Donald Trump the dividing line, the, the reason for the division in America. And this is false. 
This is false. The, the division in America is not over Donald Trump at all. He happened to be the one holding power, sitting in the White House as a Republican president at the time, a long brewing mission of the American left to steer America away from freedom and into socialism, Marxism, communism, over the cliff to that. So Donald Trump really was at the helm of America at the time that, that uh, we got to the point where the left was just thought they had it made. In fact, if you didn't, and I should have looked up ahead of time what date the show was, but I had on my show a gentleman named Patrick Byrne. I don't know how many weeks ago, four weeks ago or so. And one of the things he talked about was that he had actually worked in Washington and he is not a Republican, not a Democrat. He's a libertarian, never voted for Trump, but libertarian guy, but very involved in politics um, in unique ways. And in Washington, he had under the Obama administration, he'd been asked to look into the question uh, or, or to take on the task of trying to set up Hillary Clinton to accept a bribe. If you didn't see the show, amazing story. I urge you to go back and find it. Maybe someone can send me a text and tell me when Patrick Byrne was on the show so you can find it more easily. But Patrick Byrne said the Obama team, the Obama administration and the highest people around him toward the end of, in 2016, when they assumed Hillary was going to win the, the presidency, they were trying to set her up to accept a bribe for the purpose of having her in a position that they could control her. They could negotiate with her. They could tell her, you're not going to do this bill. You are going to do this. You're going to push this policy. They wanted to have her trapped. And under the Obama plan, which Patrick Byrne relayed, had been ta talked about uh, in his presence as he was uh, in the White House. In fact, he had been, become aware the Obama people had previously set up Hillary to accept a bribe. But the point is, Byrne had said that the point of why they want to have Hillary so under their control was that they, the Obama team, foresaw if they had eight years of President Obama, which they had two terms, then they would have eight years of Hillary Clinton as president, and then she would finish and eight years of Michelle Obama. This was their plan. This was their spelled out plan with the notion that after 24 years, three eight-year terms, that they would have completed the fundamental transformation of America, turned America into the socialist utopia, Marxist, communist government that President Obama always wanted. This is what Patrick Byrne disclosed, was actually said in front of him. We laid it out on our show um, at some point during the uh, last few weeks. But the reason I'm talking about today is, as we look at this situation in Washington and everybody's talking about how divided America is, the left tries to make, as they always do, they're trying to target Americans to get stewed up and worked up over the question of whether or not Donald Trump should have sent so many tweets, whether he said something wrong on January 6th, whether he engaged in some conduct they could possibly claim as criminal. They try to make Donald Trump the, uh, the target of their anger, and they try to turn America into thinking uh, that he is the problem, Trump was the problem, the target is Trump must destroy Trump, and that is entirely a subterfuge. The reason the left does all the hysterical accusation against Donald Trump is not really anything about Donald Trump. It isn't because they really care about him either way. 
What they're trying to do is steer the American public's attention away from the Marxist takeover of this country that the left has nearly completed. They're trying to hide from America what is really happening in Washington, which is they have succeeded in this long-running effort to steer away America away from its founding ideals and turn America into the leftist socialist utopia they always wanted. And I, when I say these things on my show, that the Marxists have taken over the Democrat Party, I'm not in the slightest exaggerating. It's not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration. I don't mean people who put Marxists next to their name when they have to sign their political affiliation. They put Democrat. I'm talking about Marxist ideology, Marxist thinking. The Marxist agenda has completely overtaken the Democrat Party. That's who's running this country today. And that's what I want to talk about today because I actually think whatever the real number of people were in this country who voted for President Biden, there could not be a tenth of them who actually want the agenda the Democrats intend to bring to America, the Marxists intend to bring to America. America does not want the agenda the left has in store for us. So it's incumbent on serious patriots, no matter who you voted for, no matter what political affiliation you put next to your name, to recognize the radical destructive transformation just around the corner in America already started and to be part of the team that pulls America back into the playing field of America, into the ballpark of America based on the ideas of America. So I'm gonna start first with um, the idea of just distinguishing between um, the, uh, I, I called this slide, American Freedom, Marxism, Communism, and Socialism. Before I get into talking about the Marxism thing, I just wanna make a distinction, uh, talk through just a little bit with you about what these things actually mean. So I called this slide, and I sent Matt a bunch of slides. Actually, I wanna go to the other slide. Sorry, Matt, I told you the wrong one. It's called this one there. No, not this one, yeah, this one, okay. I want to try to, this is a two-page slide, but I, want, I put this up because I think it helps us think through these things. Truth about America in very simplified terms. Forget all these, you know, we have, unfortunately, in our country, the tendency to fling out labels. Uh, conservatives, patriots, free marketers tend to frequently use terms, oh, that's socialist, that's Marxist, that's communist, anything they don't like. And on the left, Anything they don't like that a conservative does, they throw out fascist, biggest, hater, bigot, hater, some, some other term they use. So we want to get our terms straight. The, and all of what I'm saying here is a very, are very simplified terms. We could spend the rest of this year discussing these various ideologies. But I want these are a starting point for our talk today. Number one, American freedom. America's basic promise to its citizens is freedom of the individual, including the right to own your own business and your property. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are yours because you were born. Because the Declaration of Independence says, not just that the Declaration is giving you those rights, but that God gave you those rights. God-given rights we recognize in the founding of America as a basic idea of America. Socialism and communism both require government-owned businesses and government power to forcibly redistribute private property. Slight distinction, in socialism you can still own a little bit of your private property, but the government has complete control over redistributing it. Communism, government owns everything. But basically, they're thinking about how you live your life, how pre-people live. Socialism, communism require government-owned businesses, and the government has the power, the unquestioned power, to forcibly redistribute private property. Historically, though, socialists 
tried to persuade society, persuade society through elections to choose socialism. On the next slide, I'll tell you that the uh, Karl Marx's 1848 Communist Manifesto rejects this whole democratic process to arrive at the idea of socialism. It just demands revolution. He says, forget about convincing people to choose socialism. We're going to force it on them. But to understand, they're going to force it on through communism, his communist manifesto. But socialism is the economic policy of communism. Marxists say, and Marx said, socialism is just a stepping stone to communism. In either, whether you're talking about socialism or communism, or Marxism, which is just communism, your freedom, your life, and your liberty are decided by the government. Leftists try to confuse the robust defense of America's freedom by parsing these distinctions between the isms. Don't fall for it. They'll spend all their time nitpicking, leftists will nitpick and say, well, it's not exactly socialist, it's just, forget it. It's the difference between a society rooted in the freedom of the individual and society rooted in the power of government. So you have a lot of Americans saying, okay, you know, uh, we, everyone keeps talking about this Marxist coming into power in America and, you know, kind of, why do you even say that? And so I, I tell you what, I, I get people emailing me and sending me notes saying, you keep, you know, you say the Marxist takeover, what do you mean? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm glad we're talking about it so early in the Biden administration because it's really important to understand and you be able to see the steps that the, uh, this administration takes through this lens. So I want to talk about the three kinds of thinkers about Marxism in America. And we have another slide for that. Matt the Wonderful has three kinds of thinkers. There are those who say, essentially, what are you even talking about? What Marxist threat? Are you kidding me? What Marxist threat? You know, and, and so we'll try today to connect the dots. Who, what, when, and with what money? There are people who say, okay, yeah. So number one is saying, I don't even see the Marxist threat. Number two categories of American thinkers say, well, the Marxist takeover is happening, but that's okay. Or maybe it's even good. The need is to understand what the agenda really is and how your life will change. And then number three, there's a category of people who say, okay, I agree. There is an ongoing Marxist takeover and it is bad, but somehow it won't affect me. And the need is to understand true human history, understand the nature of the evil that is Marxism. Before I wrap up the first five, I want to tell you that tomorrow on this show, we have an author of a book joining us, Dr. Paul Kangor, and he wrote this book. Uh, I actually took the paper cover off, the nice paper cover off, but it's called The Devil and Karl Marx. This guy has done an in-depth study of Karl Marx. Today, we're just talking about ideas, what's happening in America. This guy tomorrow, in-depth study of Karl Marx. And if you didn't know this already, the man was insane. Karl Marx, lunatic insane and what he talks about in this book and we're going to talk about a bit today is the idea that we keep on we have because of in america we've had this uh infusion of socialist and communist thought in our country we've had this infusion so that we are beginning to talk about freedom and free markets and entrepreneurship and capitalism as one happy you know possible approach to the structure of society and economy and life and then you have socialism and marxism communism and that these are equally competing you know equally valuable equally worthy ideas this is what's happening in america we've had because of the onslaught of marxism in our in academia in society and in, in entertainment in hollywood we have lost the ability in our society to discern and recognize that Marxism, socialism, communism are just pure evil. 
It is a battle between good and evil in our country. That's the battle. And I'll tell you, if I wrap up the first five, I'll say this. Many people on the left are trying to say that all of these people who supported Donald Trump did that because they are, you know, sycophants or they're in some cult of Trump or they, you know, they did, they want him personally. Trump was just the person who got elected and did a lot of good to Amer for America, talking about the restoration of the power and strength and goodness of America. But the Trump supporters who are still very upset about what happened in the 2020 election, it's not because they personally want Donald Trump to be president forever. It is because they can see bits and pieces of what I'm going to talk about today. It is because more and more Americans in the millions and millions of Americans are awake to the idea that we are watching the Marxists take over of our country. That's why they're upset about the 2020 election. They, they may believe it was stolen, but they also believe that no matter you know what the truth was of the outcome of the 2020 election, the fact is America was facing a choice between the continuation of freedom and good and free enterprise and capitalism and the ugly and evil socialism, Marxism, communism coming down the pike from the Democrat Party. This is the real division in America. And I will also say, though, even though that ideology has captured the Democrat Party and, and run the Marxist ideology runs the Democrat Party, the vast majority of Americans who voted for Biden had no idea. They don't want what the Biden administration is going to bring. They don't want the evil of Marxism and socialism to take over their country. They don't want that. They didn't know it was there because the left did a great job in deflecting attention from their actual policies and in characterizing President Trump as such a bad guy that Many Biden voters in the millions went for Biden because they thought maybe everything will get better in America and things will settle down and go to peace. So in wrapping up the first five, what we're going to focus on today is trying to really dig in and say, what difference does it make if Marxism is taking over America? You know, what difference does it make uh, to this country, uh, whether we have a continuation of freedom and capitalism or we go into Marxism and socialism and I want to make the argument to you in the course of today the vast majority of Americans even if they don't think ideologically they don't have an economics degree they want America the free the vast majority of Americans want America the free America the free enterprise America the capitalist they do not want what's coming up coming to us just at this point like a steam engine on the train tracks racing 100 miles an hour toward the destruction of America. The Americans don't want that and we do have ways to resist this horrible takeover of America by the Marxist ideology now that now owns the Democrat Party and that my very fine friends is today's first five. So I have a, I, this is my day for slides. I thought it would help organize our, our discussion a little bit. So I want to start in the second section uh, the, talking about the, I mentioned the three kinds of thinkers. Some of them are saying, what Marxist threat? What are you even talking about? And this is going to be the longest segment because I really want to make, for people who say, I don't really see it or, you know, that I don't really think that's realistic. I'll say, you know, we have some examples we talked about in the past. We have Bernie Sanders first, actually, I, I always give him credit. He's at least honest in what he stands for. He is, at a minimum, a Democrat socialist. He's actually a communist, but at least he's honest about it. 
And for years, he was the only one. Now we have in Washington the squad, the uh, four members of the younger members of the House of Representatives who are Democrats. I think it's now five members. Just three of the five are members of the Democrat Socialist Party. The Sanders uh, runs for presidency along with academia pushing Marxism and socialism as morally superior has made Marxism acceptable, kind of, kind of politically legitimate. And it wasn't even 20 years ago, but it is now. And so when people hear this, what Marxist threat, I, I hear that term, what Marxist threat, I want to start with giving you other uh, indicia of why it is that everyone who's paying attention can understand we are facing a Marxist threat in this country. So I want to start with Joe Biden. I have one slap about Joe Biden. It's the very first uh, page of uh, what Marxist threat Matthew Wonderful has. Now, I've mentioned this in my show before, but I want to make sure you get how unbelievable this is. Joe Biden, our current president, he was a member of city council in Delaware, a city council member, 29 years old. And he went from that seat, a city council member, and ran the United States Senate in 1972. And in 1972, he managed to defeat a, I've forgotten how many term, numerous term uh, incumbent Republican who had an 81% approval rating. So he has, he comes from obscurity in a little uh, city council job, wins a Senate race, uh, first Democrat Senator from Delaware in decades. The incumbent was a Republican with an 81% approval rating and he beats him and becomes a member of the Senate. The way he did that was made possible by the Council for a Livable World, a communist influence organization dedicated to putting elected officials in power in America who would be sympathetic, if not supportive, of the communist world view. So I'm going to pull back from that. Just a couple of comments, uh, Matthew Wonderful, about Joe Biden. I want to urge you to read a book. Um, Trevor Loudon, who's been on the show numerous times, he wrote a book that talks about, he wrote it during 2020, the election cycle. And he talked about, he went, went through most of the Democrat candidates for president of the United States, one of them being Joe Biden. And it's called White House Reds. White House Reds, you can get it on Amazon, you can get it on Kindle, you can order it. And the subtitle was Communist, Socialist, and Security Risks Running for U.S. President in 2020. He gives a very detailed, lengthy explanation of how this Council for Livable World, this communist-funded, orchestrated organization, deliberately set out to find individuals who could run for, position, for positions of power in the Senate and the House, and they would have a great chance of winning because the relative size of the of a number of voters who had to be persuaded was relatively small. And so Delaware is obviously a tiny state, small number of people have to, be, have to be persuaded, massive financial backing. They gave him financial backing. They gave him staffers. They gave him a campaign plan. Joe Biden was like, you know, just uh, sitting there being a city council member. And these people targeted him. The Communist Council for a Livable World targeted him, realizing, hey, this would be a good guy. We'll get him elected to the Senate. And in exchange, all he has to do is stand up for and defend the, the interests of Russia. He has to stand up and defend the, issue, the, uh, the presence of Russia, the Russian military, the Russian country. The, it was the whole idea of putting people in power in America, in Washington, who would really be fighting for or standing up 
for what was then our number one enemy, Russia and communist Russia. That was the idea. And that's how they got Joe Biden elected. And I can't take time today because there are too many things I want to cover. But I urge you to read Trevor Loudon's book because he runs through a lot of detail, including that very recently, very recently, I think it was 2019, Joe Biden gave another speech thanking Council for a Livable World. You've made my life wonderful, blah, blah. And if you trace and study Joe Biden's votes in the Senate, he was consistently, consistently negative toward uh, President Reagan negative toward any efforts to rein in the communist Russians, negative toward any efforts that would weaken the Russian military. The guy was in there batting for the other team. That's who Biden was. That's who our president is. Next slide, we have Matt on that same, that same sheet. Uh, we have Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, her father was a prominent Stanford economics professor, labeled a Marxist scholar by the Stanford Daily. It was probably a tone, term of phrase for them, the term of praise for them. Among her more notable Marxist-leaning pronouncements are her stated willingness to abolish private insurance for the purpose of forcing socialized medicine on the masses. She said that very clearly and repeatedly until someone in her campaign finally said, hey, I don't think America likes this too well. So now, and her support, her other, is one example, I mean, among dozens you could give about her, but her, why you can say she's clearly Marxist-leaning, her support for the vast government takeover of employment markets in the name of gender equity. Great piece up on the Hoover Institute's uh, website, Richard Epstein, great economist, great writer. And he writes about her, uh, about her, Kamala Harris, in a piece that he calls Salami Socialism. Uh, and we'll, I'll come back and say a few mark remarks here. So you have Kamala Harris. You now have the Joe Biden, funded by Council for Livable World, done their bidding, the Communist Party's bidding. Uh, for decades, very, as we now know, very intertwined with communist China, very uh, beholden to them. And then you have Kamala Harris, a vice president, and her ideology is straight out communism. Now she's, this guy, Epstein, writes a, a brilliant piece of when she's talking about how what the left does in order to justify their eventual goal, which is the control of the economy um, and society and businesses by the government. They want to take away the basic notion of the freedom of America, freedom to own business, freedom to own your own property, freedom to pursue your life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. The left wants government control of society, but the excuses they use have a wide range, have great examples, and one in particular, uh, Race, racism and race and racism are one justification the left uses. We've talked about this before. Sexism and the and and the history of women not being paid equally with men, and the general argument that America is a deeply uh, racist and sexist society. And they use the, the uh, issue also of COVID and the environment. All of those things justify in some way or another turning from a freedom-based society to a government-controlled society. So Kamala Harris, great piece of Richard Epstein in Hoover. Just talking about, you know, she really wants government to control all businesses, but that doesn't fly in America. We might, she might not quite make it, you know, over the finish line if she were to say how she thinks. So she finds these left-wing justifications. And because of, says she, uh, gender inequity, she has a massive plan, which she laid out during her campaign for basically um, in the name of gender equity, she wants uh, labor markets, because she claims that labor markets consistently and systemically discriminate against women. Um, and so what she wants is her proposal is this idea of a um, uh, vast government takeover of employment markets, a vast 
government takeover of employment markets. You've got to read his piece to understand this is straight-out leftist ideology. This would be Kamala Harris. Uh, next in this stack of slides, and we're all talking about here, what this fits into again is, for those of you who listen to the show and say, what Marxist threat, what are you talking about? I just want to hit this idea of cultural Marxism very briefly. Cultural Marxism was this idea that one of the main people who uh, touted this, Antonio Gramsci, uh, there's a great piece that we, actually we don't have links up today. We'll have them up later. But Antonio Gramsci is referred to as the godfather of cultural Marxism. He basically, Gramsci's a communist. He's looking at American society and saying, you know, we cannot militarily, the communists cannot conquer America. And so we have to try to conquer America through insidious, diabolical destruction of Western society and freedom by infiltrating our, America's institutions and society. He wrote about, he talked about, we got to take over academia and the churches and the thought of how we think about family. It, cultural Marxism was the idea that the government was not going to instantly turn to communism, but if the society itself, the pillars of society that held America together could be destroyed by the Marxist ideology, the long march of the institution, the destruction of our institutions, uh, churches, and, and um, education systems, they'll eventually get around to having America be viewed as communist. So this is Gramsci. I also want to share very briefly there was a piece up, the last one I had to share the story of this Han Zhu. I put the link in for you to go read this. But this is someone who grew up in communist China. And this Han Zhu just wrote an opinion piece at Epoch Times, basically saying, let me explain to you that the Cultural Revolution, what happened to China, is right on the doorstep of America. And basically talking about what happens in China, how the government, in their effort to destroy the human spirit, destroy the society, the connections between people, destroy our sense of community and family. The government does these things in the form of the Cultural Revolution. What happened in China is happening here. I can't take time to tell you the whole story, but understanding that this Marxist takeover of America is not purely economic, not purely regulatory from Washington, not purely the takeover of more industries through massive uh, unnecessary regulation. It comes in the form of cultural crushing of America's freedom and, and um and just sense of society. I want to also, um, I guess we're on the next slide there, Matt the Wonderful. Um, so we have, after this one, what about the, what, what Marxist threat? I want to remind you about something. Um, so you might have remembered that um, one thing that all of us are waiting for, that DNI, Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe, uh, he was supposed to deliver in, on December 18th, he was supposed to deliver his findings based on the executive order that President Trump put in place in 2018. Ratcliffe was, was supposed to give to Congress and the American public his findings as to whether or not there was uh, international interference in America's elections. This was viewed at the time to be an idea of hope that Ratcliffe would, would report and point out you know, all of the interference by China. And again, this Marxist threat, if I've not ma been made clear, this Marxist threat to America is, is the communist takeover of America, largely orchestrated by China, the Chinese Communist Party, and many, many entities on the ground in America who are funding a variety of organizations, which I'll get to in a moment, but back to this DNI report. So Ratcliffe uh, did not give that report to Congress until after January 6th, after the famous day when the Congress voted to accept the Electoral College votes. But in his report that was finally submitted, 
He said, his inter he, as you can see, he said, massive involvement interference by the Chinese government and the Chinese Communist Party in America's 2020 elections. And almost worse than that, that he's saying, yeah, the, the Chinese were massively involved in America's elections, was that the higher-ups in national security agencies that reported to Ratcliffe fought to downplay that Chinese involvement. I have, I have to put this up later. I, I can't, I, I thought I'd have time to read you some of these links, but in DNI's, in, in this DNI's report, he's saying, yeah, you know, bad enough that China was heavily involved in the, the election interference of 2020, but we actually have so many, okay, my interpretation, communist sympathizers at high levels of the American government that they were fighting to downplay or hide China's involvement in our elections. If you don't think there's a Marxist takeover, I'll tell you a few more pieces to keep in mind. And again, I want to urge you to go to, in fact, this might be in the next slide, and I'll tell you more about, um, yeah, Trevor Loudon. Let me just say about Trevor Loudon. I cannot praise this guy enough. Uh, he was in um, Dallas last weekend, and we got the chance to talk to him for a long time. Trevor Loudon, when you ask him, I introduced him to a couple of our friends. We actually ran to them at a coffee shop, so I introduced him. And he said, hi, I'm Trevor Loudon. I'm an anti-communist. He makes the point. He's not saying, you know, I love free markets. I love America. You know, he's actually a New Zealand native. But he says, I'm an anti-communist. And when you heard his life story and how he encountered China and uh, encountered uh, communism as a young man in New Zealand, it's a kind of a breathtaking story. But he has several sources. I have them up here. Go to his website, keywiki.org, or his Rumble account. You can see all sorts of, of uh, videos he makes. In the book I mentioned earlier, White House Reds, Communist, Socialist, and Security Risks Running for U.S. Uh, got cut off there, a U.S. President. Anyway, the reason I mentioned Trevor Loudon is that he traces, I, we could fill literally weeks and weeks of shows, just me recounting to you the number of stories, the number of, uh, because he's, uh, Trevor Loudon is such a great investigator, he connects the Chinese Communist Party you know, in China. They have uh, a, an organization in San Francisco. They have an organization in Minnesota. They have an organization here. And they fund these organizations in America that you look at as the average American voter, and you think somehow these organizations are just you know, American do-gooders. Everything from Black Lives Matter, the BLM, funded by the Chinese communists. Antifa, funded by the Chinese communists. These groups that the media tries to make you think are just organic groups rising up to stand up against a horrible racist nation that must be destroyed by the left. And this is an orchestrated thing. This is what's so important to understand. And it's important to go look at his website and read these stories. I mean, he has so many stories that just basically say, he'll start with a person. Here's Joe Schmo, you know? He ran for uh, whatever, city council or, or state senator or something. And, but his past is, you know, he was part of this organization, which is funded by the Communist Chinese Party, Chinese Communist Party, funded by this organization, uh, you know, supported by, uh, taught by, mentored by, and it always goes back to the Chinese communist ideology, or actually just the communist ideology. This is what I, what I want to get. I'm going to wrap up our, this segment talking about, is there really a Marxist takeover? For those of you who think there isn't, uh, is there really a Marxist takeover? The yes is yeah in spades. And one of the many ways, if you uh, don't know about it, you should do, is read these kind of stories, read these accounts, read the research. The people you look at and you see, especially, 
especially the big swing states that were such a battle in the election, um, election cycle, all sorts of organizations who were just, you know, they sound like it's such happy sounding names, you know, get out the vote. And that, that isn't the name of them, but those kind of names where they were just groups organizing these states saying, yeah, we are the such and such get out the vote group. And we are the you know, registered voter group. And they sound like, yeah, this is great, pro-America. These are communist funded organizations. You trace back who's funding them, who's teaching them. The communist ideology, which is the Marxist ideology, the communist ideology has invaded America at more levels than most of us can ever comprehend. Funded a great deal by the Chinese Communist Party, enabled and, and orchestrated and fomented and encouraged by America's left, these leftist organizations, money coming from China, the Communist Party, all designed to foment in America hatred of America, hatred of freedom, hatred of the basic idea of America's goodness, and encouragement of and acceptance of the communist agenda and ideology. You know, if we had a, if we had, you know, Cuba, for example, Chinese Cuba, you know, lobbing bombs into Florida, we would recognize the attack. If we had the Chinese military, you know, putting warships around our borders on the East Coast or the West Coast and firing into our borders, we would see it as an attack. But the attack the communist ideology has made on America is far more deadly, far more insidious, far more hidden, profoundly dangerous because it is hidden. Dangerous because people don't see it and they look around and think, well, I guess the majority of Americans kind of like socialism. No, I'm telling you, the majority of Americans have no idea what they voted for. They didn't vote for what the Biden team is doing, but we have tremendous pressure and the ideological pressure coming out of Communist Party, Communist China and their Communist Chinese Communist Party and the communist mindset around the world determined to destroy America, the beacon of hope and freedom. Yesterday in the show, we interviewed Helen Raleigh. She is the author of this book. I, we talked about yesterday, Backlash. Uh, her book was called Backlash, How China's Aggression Has Backfired. I urge you to read that because she recounts as she writes about what China is all about. China intends to dominate the world. They intend to dominate the world with the Chinese, uh, the Chinese uh, nationality dominating, the Chinese people dominating, and the communist ideology. It's not even hidden. We've had many experts in the show talking about this. So you have that mindset. You have America the global sitting here and so many Americans unaware that the, the uh, groups they're seeing being active, the media reports about Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the media reports about all these groups registering new voters. You have an unseen enemy attacking America and its goodness and the people don't recognize where it's coming from. Too many don't. That's the point of my show today. So if any of you were in the category, I was saying there were three kinds of thinkers about Marxism in America, the Marxist threat. If you're in the category of, of what Marxist threat, I don't even know what it is, it's time for you to read some of these things I've mentioned. Get up to speed and understand this is not Republican versus Democrat. This is America the free or America the communist. It's about that simple. I also wanna mention just one little hint about Biden. Um, Biden, backing up, there have been in America Confucius Institutes on America's college campuses, 
and a lot of America's college campuses thought it was kind of cool. We have a Confucius Institute. Now, yeah, you know, they're going to come and share uh, China's, you know, history and language and thinking. And this is a way to become more global, a way to become more understanding. And fortunately, many colleges woke up and recognized those Confucius Institutes were just fronts for Chinese infiltration, Chinese domination, Chinese propagandizing of America's college students. Many colleges booted the Confucius Institutes out themselves. President Trump made the effort during his term, his time, to say, we're going to get rid of this Confucius Institute and Chinese influence in America's public education system. Because what you have is kids emerging from high school and college because they have been unknowingly subject to the Chinese infiltration and propaganda taught to them in the public schools, they're unknowingly being taught to hate America, hate freedom, love communism, love socialism. They are duped and we, because we have tolerated the infiltration into our schools. So Trump tried to say, we're going to stop that at an executive order. But if you ever wonder where Biden really comes down, Biden's administration quietly got rid of Trump's proposal to track the Chinese influence in U.S. schools. Why? Let me just ask you, why? Why would anyone who loves freedom in America and the idea of America rooted in freedom and the rights of the individual, why would any president end the effort to try to figure out what ways the Chinese Communist Party is infiltrating America's schools. And there's only one answer, because he sees those as friendly ideas. Biden is friendly to those ideas. A couple other things about the Biden administration uh, before we get to the next segment. But, you know, we talked about uh, several times about the idea that the um, since Biden has come into office, there's been great talk springing off, of, allegedly springing off the January 6th invasion of the Capitol, but talk about expanding the domestic terrorism definitions and trying to focus on alleged terror groups. I want to point, and we've already had a couple of shows about this and guests, and I want to just tell you one thing. So there's a bill that has now uh, been floated, a Democrat-sponsored bill in Congress um, by Senator Dick Durbin. It's Senate Bill uh, 894, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. Now, who could be, you know, who could, who wouldn't love that? Companion bill in the House, um, uh, House Bill 1931, Representative Bradley Schneider. So these are allegedly trying to help kind of empower Department of Homeland Security in recognizing domestic terrorism and getting after domestic terrorism, which real terrorism, yeah, I'm, I'm all in favor of. I want the government to protect us from terrorism, whether it is whatever kind of group it is, a really a white range, if there are supposedly militia groups, if there are Antifa, Black Lives Matter, they are terror groups. I want the government to protect us from them. But what you have in these bills, number one, an expansion of domestic terrorism. They floated language discussing the idea that domestic terrorism could include definitions like people who advocate against the, uh, the 2020 election results. That isn't the exact language. We talked about the day I had Kyle Scheidler on my show, but we talked about the language. Worded to say, essentially, it may be viewed as domestic terrorism if you challenge the 2020 election results, which literally half of America challenges the 2020 election results. But the bills I'm talking about now, you want to talk about, you think we're not watching Marxism in our faces in Washington? The bill 
after an entire year of America watching Antifa, Black Lives Matter, other left-wing, anti-Trump, anti-Republican, anti-American groups destroy American cities, smash windows, burn police cars, kill police officers, and all this bill talks about, the only thing this bill talks about is uh, the idea of right-wing I mean, it defines the potential terrorists they're worried about as right-wing type people, far-right actors. I mean, people, this is a hallmark of tyranny. This is a hallmark of what tyrants do. They define their political enemies as dangerous, as criminal. And so this, that, this bill, I mean, the Republicans are pretty much powerless in Washington. Uh, but if this bill goes through, somehow domestic terrorism is going to end up with a definition that punishes free, and, and there have been, fortunately, there have been numerous groups, I think it was 135 civil rights groups spoke up, even some on the left saying, you know what, this bill is way too broad, very dangerous, you're going to criminalize free speech. Uh, so there is concern about being expressed, but this is how tyrants think. And Marxist, socialist, communists are tyrants inherently. Their entire ideology is about controlling the peasants, controlling the masses, dictating their lives. That's what their purpose is, and that's who these people are. So this is what their bill is. This idea is going to define anyone they don't like. That's going to be a domestic terrorist. So uh, I, I could, um, I do want to encourage you again. That last little slide I had about um, Trevor Loudon. There are so many stories he collects because he does research like nobody's business. People who run for office, they say they're Democrats or maybe Democrat socialists, and you tie back, you look back who they are, who funds them, who trained them, who mentored them, who is helping them. It is a communist influence in this country such as we have never seen. And of course, it's just funded by uh, and, and, and enabled by the... Um, the leftist ideology which has filled academia to the point that we have too many americans who don't even see the problem but okay so you don't think there's a marxist threat you need to read and look at everything i just talked about and then uh i, I you'll be it's plain as day we're we watching the marxists take over our country so number two for those thinkers in america yes the takeover is happening but that's okay it's no big deal so that is a one set of another i sent to matt the wonderful uh this idea of marxist takeover no big deal and again, this information I have here is coming from the book that I told you the author is joining us tomorrow, Paul Kangor. He is the, uh, Dr. Paul Kangor, he's the author of this book, uh, The Devil and Karl Marx. We're gonna be talking more about who Marx was, but this is just one little listing of the death toll by Marxist-Leninists from this book called The Black Book of Communism. I mean, these numbers, you know, that, that famous saying about, you know, a million people, uh, you know, one person's death is a tragedy, uh, a million is a statistic. Really look at these numbers. Actually, look at the bottom to start with. Stalin, Stalin, as he ran Russia, alone, many scholars say, killed 60 to 70 million of his citizens. USSR, 20 million. China, 65 million. The great you know, cultural purging, the cultural revolution there. Vietnam, North Korea, Cambodia, you know, run down the list. And the reason I wanted to put that up is there is no other ideology on this planet that has done so much, created so much misery, death, poverty, suffering than communism. 
and to be really clear, go back to the beginning of the show, lump them all together. Socialism, Marxism, communism, these are just isms that are rooted in the premise that it's the job of government to control the people. It's a job of government to run people's lives, their businesses, to decide what property rights they have, to take away their property, to run their lives. It is, it is, they're inherently dictatorial. Now, of course, socialism has advocates who say, but Democratic socialism is okay because, you know, we're electing it. And so we could unelect. If we don't like it, we could come back. We could pull ourselves back from the edge. But Marx made clear, other thinkers have also, that the whole point of socialism is to be a stepping stone to communism. And the whole point of socialism is to introduce to the idea, in the, in, introduce the idea to the population in, in the hearts and minds of the people that it's really government's job to decide how much money you should have, whether you should be able to pursue the life you choose, the business you choose, the life you choose. It is the, it's the insidious working away at, like an acid burning away at, the beautiful idea of America, which is the individual has the right to live in freedom. Democratic socialists will say, we're not dangerous, we're not like the communists, but it is very, very hard to pull a country back off the cliff, back to freedom, once they get down into the pit of socialism and you can have candidates running, as we do in America, candidates running on saying, vote for me, because I'm gonna raise the other guy's taxes and give you their money. I'm going to redistribute other people's money, so vote for me. This, we're already, obviously we're already there in America, but we're at a point where we could pull America back from that brink of destruction, and, and this is uh, where we are in America today. So I had, I wanted, and the, it is a big bad deal. I want to know the death tolls. Um, I also want to um, have, show you um, one thing, one big point of this big bad deal. I think it's the next page, is silencing opposition. And this is, I was talking about earlier, but I'll make the point again. Among the things that Marxists do, communists do, is silence opposition. It's vital to leftists. So in America, expand the definition of domestic terror to include people who question the legitimacy of the 2020 election. The new domestic terror legislation only mentions white supremacists who, by the way, to be clear, are evil. White supremacy is an evil. White supremacy is unacceptable. It does not have any home, any place on either side of the political aisle. No home among conservatives. It's flat out evil. So new domestic terror legislation only mentions white supremacists, ignores massive violence and terror committed by Antifa and the Marxist element of the Black Lives Party. And one more thing, uh, Black Lives Matter organization. One more page on this slide, and that has to do with what's happened. And again, I want to remind you yesterday, if you didn't hear the show, yesterday my um, guest was Helen Raleigh, who wrote this book, Backlash. And she gave a lot of description about social credit scores in China. Uh, they determine your freedom of citizens to travel, whether you can go to college and university, whether you can get loans, whether you can purchase a home. Social credit scores are a means of controlling people. In America, so this is in China. Next thing in America, proposed regulations by current or brand new Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, admittedly contemplate COVID passports to be allowed to travel. And we talked about this yesterday. 
even agreeing to this is the beginning of the slippery slope that says, well, you know, and on and, and top of that, you know, your travel, there may be some new problem, new, new uh, virus or new other health problem and new other potential vaccine that could maybe help. So maybe we better require every vaccine, the vaccine list the government gives out, you must prove you've had or you can't travel anywhere. And then it'll be things coming out of the Green New Deal. Mark my words, Green New Deal have all sorts of ways, things very similar to the social credit score in China that says that gives you uh, points somehow for doing what the government is telling you to do uh, based on the Green New Deal. And the track and trace programs also put in place under COVID uh, various degrees by state and local governments, phone companies tracking your movements, and on some occasions reporting that information to the government. And I'm getting out that this idea in this segment about the Marxist takeover is no big deal. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Americans have assumed, every American alive today has assumed since you were born that we live in a country that's free. That the government can't really tell us whether we can travel from one state to the next. The government can't really control us in terms of whether we travel. They can't they can't start tracing and tracking us and they can't start limiting our speech. They can't start dictating if you don't agree with the government, then you're a domestic terrorist and you might face charges. These things have no place in America, but they've insidiously made their way into America already and they're already a huge big deal, but they really become a big deal when you start to recognize the ideology behind them. Because the ideology of all the isms is that the purpose of government is to control everything about your life. You really don't have what the Declaration of Independence said you have, which is rights from your creator to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is the point of differentiation for America, the point of distinction. We obviously have laws. We obviously have a constitution. We have structure to make life safe so you can function in this free society. But the presumption, the founding idea, the, the, the basis of America is the idea that we have rights from God, that we're all created equal, and we have rights from God simply because we're born to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. All of those, all those promises are utterly impossible antithetical, unworkable within the framework of a socialist, Marxist, communist government. Can't have them. It's one or the other. Uh, last thing I want to hit in the last little segment is, is um, just this idea that, will Marxism bite you? And the reason I wanted to say this is, you know, I don't have a slide up or slide to talk with you about this, but I want to urge you to think about this. Many people say that, there, that we couldn't really be facing such a horrible possible thing in America. Because look at all these people. We know their faces. We know Nancy Pelosi. We know Joe Biden. These people we've seen for decades in the public stage, and they've been leaders. They've been in Congress. They've been in the White House. They can't possibly be meaning to bring to America all the danger that Marxism brought to every other country. That they, they don't, they, they couldn't really mean it because these are really good people. And they wouldn't be saying this, they wouldn't be saying all this and pushing this and pushing these ideas and fomenting these ideas if they were really that bad. And so it must not be true. Somehow it can't all be true. And I want to make clear that 
when you've had socialists and communists take over countries, whether it's Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, China, the ruling elite do not live like the rest of the people. The ruling elite do not live like the rest of the people. They are not subject to the policies, the draconian, tyrannical rules and regulations and laws they put in place for everybody else. Castro, both Castro brothers actually, had a very large mansion type, I meant to look up the name of the island, I didn't do it, but mansion-like uh, getaway that was a little island off of Cuba that they went to and still go to because they don't live like the starving peasants. They don't live like the starving peasants. Nobody who's inflicting communism on those countries ever intends to live under the system they're creating. The system is for the masses of peasants who simply have no rights from God to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, must be controlled, must be ordered, must be orchestrated, must be contained and fed, you know, kind of like your, your sheep, your, the, the, you know, sheep in a, in a pasture or the cattle you own. They got to be moving, they're told to move, they got to be fed, they got to be taken care of. They're just a bunch of animals to be controlled. Castro and his brother in Venezuela, Chavez, and in North Korea and in China, none of the ruling elite live under the ugliness that they impose on others. There are, even within North Korea and in China, the upper echelon of the military, and same in Cuba, upper echelon of the military, they have life a little better than the starving peasants because they are moved up the pecking order and they've got a little more comfort in their life, a little more access to comfortable housing and maybe better food. But the concept of everyone's gonna be equal and it's all divided equally is a farce. It's a lie inflicted by the socialists and communists to induce people to accept it. And they are never going to live under the misery that they inflict on the masses. Stop and think about this, my last point wrapping up today. I know a lot of people have said it before, I'm gonna say it again. Nobody, nobody on this planet Earth fights and struggles to get into Cuba or Venezuela or North Korea or China. Everyone who lives under the misery of the socialism, communism, Marxism, alive and well in those countries, Everyone who lives under that, the only direction is people trying to get out. Cubans jump on little rickety rafts to try to make their way across the ocean, risking death, risking likely death to get to Florida. When Germany was divided, East and West Germany, nobody in the free half West Germany ever tried to fight their way into communist East Germany. Nobody. The, the, ideolo the ideology is so evil of communism that they have to build walls around their country, prohibit their citizens from leaving, and, and tell them that if you try to leave, we'll shoot you. This is not something that you do when your ideology is freeing the people as they always try to sell it. Always try to sell it. 
So in America, we're obviously the land of the free, the home of the brave. We still have tremendously free society. We have free markets and free market capitalism. We have freedom and abundance in America. But people like, like myself, this show, and many, many other people, they're trying to raise the alarm bell now, now at the first onset of the actual first Marxist government in American history, a communist friendly government in Washington trying to raise the alarm bell now. Now's the time to say no. Now's the time to use the legal means we have, the legal means we have to challenge the impending tyranny. As one example, and I really will close out the show with this, but among the first things that the Democrat majority did in 2018 when they got the House back, they won the majority in the House, and then 2020 when they now have the White House, the House, and the Senate, the number one goal, they, the first bill they came up with was this H.R. 1, which is the bill that is absolutely mandating that every single state permit vote fraud. It's mandating the methods of vote fraud. It is prohibiting election integrity. It is outlawing election integrity. They're putting in place the very tactics they use to steal elections and trying to mandate that from Washington. It's a perfect example of what path forward freedom-loving Americans still have. And that is the path forward of freedom-loving Americans is that we can stand up in the, I think it's 30 States have a, are still red, have, have Republican government or some segment, either the governor or the legislature is Republican. We've got to be pushing back. That, that's a ground zero pushback, telling Congress, we're not going to comply with your unconstitutional HR1, you know, Permanent Vote Fraud Establishment Act. That's what they're trying to create, permanent vote fraud. We have to be fighting back on those kind of ways. Because back to the start of the show, I said, you know, we're, we're, people, significant pluralities of Americans of both political parties are concerned that we are headed toward bloodshed in this country. The bloodshed is not about President Trump. It's not about we love Trump and we want him for our president. It's about America the free or America the communist. Just call it what it is. The left is pushing as hard as they can to take tyrannical control their bill, HR1, they're telling you, they're not even hiding it. They're telling you Americans, we're never gonna permit free and fair elections again. We're gonna outlaw free and fair elections. We're gonna prevent election integrity. If you can't see the tyranny that is screaming at you from Washington, then you need to do more reading, more, more, just dive in, read, understand things, because this is the reason that we have so much tension in this country, because the people on the right-hand side, or whatever you want to call them, and call them Republicans, the America lovers, the patriots, the lovers of American freedom, can see what's happening to their country, and they're not going to take it sitting down. They're not going to just surrender to this Marxist takeover in America. And I truly believe, and I said at the start, and I really will wrap up with this, I said at the start, the vast majority of people who voted for President Biden are right with the American patriots who want America the free. They do not want this Marxist control. They do not want speech control. They do not want society being told what you can say, what you can think. They do not want to have this draconian, massive buildup of government power controlling every aspect of American lives. The American people still are majority freedom loving and the freedom loving Americans need to band together and stand up for their country. 
At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And since I had so many slides today, I only have one little slide to share with you at the end of today. The Marxists take over the USA. Time headlines devoted to demonizing and punishing Trump over the January 6th events at the Capitol are an intended distraction from the Marxist takeover of the USA that is being executed before our very eyes. Involvement interference of the Chinese Communist Party in the 2020 election and the current White House agenda is documented by the DNI's January report and by publicly known connections between the Chinese Communist Party and numerous USA organizations and politicians. Human history, including recent history as recounted by living refugees from Cuba, Venezuela, Spain, and China, confirms a path of moral darkness, violence, and deprivation that follow Marxism, socialism, communism, wherever imposed. Over 100 million deaths of dissenters in the last 100 years alone. I wanna add a caveat right there. Yes, the dissenters were the first to go, but Marxists, communists, those governments, it's not just dissenters, it's people who are inconvenient to keep alive, people who can't be fit into their program, people who might prefer the arts or do so, or, or, or thinkers, people who are, are people of deep faith. It is not just dissenters, activists, Anyone who gets in the way of the communist agenda have been put to death in this century. The number of Biden voters who support the Marxist agenda now being imposed is minor, and no Trump voters support it. But will that be enough to stop it? Friends, this was a very serious show today. I know it was a very serious show. I urge you to read the things I linked in my slides. I urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. We'll have links up later to many of these articles. It's a serious, serious time in America. Time for patriots to really contemplate, to be eyes wide open to what is happening to their country and to take steps now before we plummet over the cliff and then have to struggle back up, back to American freedom. I urge you to be a part of the, I don't want there to be war, even though they're saying plurality of Americans think there will be. I want peaceful resolution, but not peaceful submission to the Marxist takeover of America. Americans must stand up. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and this is America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you